Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. This morning we are going to deal with what may seem like a fairly arcane subject, but uh, the impact for us is, as citizens of South Africa is actually quite huge. Helping me to unpack this issue is uh, Dumo Denga, who holds a BCom Honours and an MCom from the University of Witwatersrand. He's a founder of Manpatria, a leading Austro-Libertarian web platform based in South Africa, and co-hosts the Manpatria podcast. Dumo, welcome to FM. Thanks for having me on, uh, Sarah. It's uh, much appreciated and always looking forward to having a good discussion with you. Right. Let's see what you can, what you can assist us with. Um, I'd just like to read something for our, uh, for our listeners to set the scene. And that is that the National Treasury, um, has indicated or indicated that South Africa's monthly budget balance fell back into a larger than expected and record monthly deficit of 143.8 billion in July following a 36.6 billion rand surplus in June. This deficit of 143 billion is the largest since 2004 and greater than economists' forecasts of 115.5 billion. And the problem is that in the first four months of the current fiscal year, gross government tax revenue increased by only 0.8% year on year, which compares with a probably unrealistic February budget expectation of an increase in the entire fiscal year of 5.6%. At the same time, government expenditure is outpacing budget expectations, increasing by 9% year on year, which is significantly higher than the February budget forecast of 1.5% increase for the entire fiscal year. Duma, in response to this, what the National Treasury has done has proposed some drastic steps to rein in spending, as uh, essentially the government has run out of money and faces a debt trap. Firstly, can I ask you to elucidate for us what a debt what a debt trap involves, and then to look at what sort of suggestions the Treasury has come up with to in order to improve the the difference between our income and our expenditure. Yeah. So, from what I understand, by the debt trap is when you take out so much debt that after a while. Um, you start to generate money just to service the debt and you don't even get into paying the, the principal amount. And, you know, normal people do suffer from this, uh, as well. And, uh, you know, and it's important that you have to escape the debt trap. Uh, at least for individual citizens, it's much easier because they don't have, they don't have trillions in debt. But I mean, <laughs> obviously with, uh, <laughs> With a bit of, you know, cutting back, you know, just checking how you spend your money, you can actually uh, get out of that debt trap. Um, and when I mean get out of the debt trap, I don't mean like paying off the debt completely, but at mm. least when you're making your monthly repayments, you know that you will be cutting into the principal amount, which means that your the interest that you'll have to pay will actually decrease over time because the principal amount is actually decreasing as well when you're paying back. Yeah, so that is um, that is the debt trap in a nutshell yeah okay so essentially the second uh, part to your question uh, no i'll i'll I'll, re- I'll repeat that okay. uh, so, but essentially essentially what you're saying is that we we as a country are hitting that are in that situation of paying back interest not touching the capital that we have borrowed exactly exactly we are in we're in that position right now and you know and what's not helping is that uh we've got a lot of um you know state owned companies that are in a lot of debt as well and the government has actually decided to be 
they they decided to sign surety for these companies and and again i don't think that's the right word but that's effectively what it is and now they're putting themselves in a very tough position on that regard and now that means that now the state-owned companies really don't have much of an obligation to try and pay their own debts because hey the state can cover it for us exactly Mm -hmm. and and it's not a good situation to be in now, my second question, perhaps I'll just go through a couple of items and comment on them, is that Treasury has essentially asked all levels of government to embark on, on significant expenditure cutbacks. And it's saying expenditure cutback is like, you know, the, the devil is just about coming up from behind. The measures he's included include a freeze on new public service jobs, stopping procurement contracts for all infrastructure projects, um, and keeping public servant salary increases in check. Now, Dumo, how realistic is any of this given the fact that we face a general election next year? Yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't see, it doesn't seem too realistic to be honest. I think that, you know, especially let's say for example, you hear this as a, uh, a ruling party member, um, you will be very worried because there are interests that you have to keep alive. And if you look at the measures that have been put in place, it looks like those Proposed measures, um, they seem to be self-defeating in that regard. So I think, um, it, I think, in my opinion, given the general election, um, this could work in favour of the government. So first of all, what they could do is that they could um, they could use this as just as a a way to get the public. Well, to galvanize support from the public, they can say, okay, the government sees that they're spending too much, that they're taxing us too much, and now they're starting to listen to us. Hey, this, maybe let's vote for them next year or something like that. So, and then when the election is over, then they go back to, um, their usual habits. So I think that could be one way of doing it, but, or maybe it's because they really do not have money. And it's like, guys, I think we've reached that tipping point to, we need to do something very quickly. And, and I think part of that reason, part of why I think that could be the case is that they said, well, there was this proposal from Provin Gordon, where, or Provin Gordon, sorry, who said that they wanted to implement a policy, well, not a policy, but they wanted, um, the state owned companies to have stocks within the JSE. And that's another way for them to raise capital. So it could be that creditors are looking at the states and they're saying, look, these guys, they're not reliable when it comes to paying money back and if we give them so much debt we might reach a situation where most of the debt that we give to them or most of the credit that we give to them um it might um it might be too much and then when it comes time to pay and they don't have and they don't have money then we're in trouble so i think creditors are looking at this and also um you know applying their own risk mitigation strategies as well so yeah so i think for me um is it realistic probably not but it, it it could work as a great election campaign tool. Mm. That's quite interesting because the what the tripartite alliance seems to have hit back fairly quickly in saying, "Oh no 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 no, <laughs> we're not going to embark on this." The first concern is, of course, that they say th- you know, talk about thousands, but it's actually over a million public sector employees, and that's just in national and provincial uh, employment have have seen wage increases of. Which all package increases, shall I say, uh, of over seven percent in this last year? Um, ESCOM paid out increases; it certainly had no money um, to afford. Um, it just appears that as em- as an employer, the government 
doesn't have hasn't had the the, the real guts to stand up to, to stand up to this. And the the one group of people they they're unlikely to say must take a hit are those people who belong to unions who are part of that tripartite alliance, i.e. the public sector workforce. The other thing they they uh, that they mentioned, and I, I think. Uh, Gordon Guana mentioned was a 2% VAT increase. So, of course, the government came back and said, no, 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 that'll hit consumers hard. And to me, what this suggests is, of course, it will, particularly the poor, it'll hit, it'll hit people very hard. What this suggests to me is, is something that, uh, that the Reserve Bank governor has been warning of for years, and that is that there's only so much he and his colleagues could have, could do. It was actually about the failure to change policy. And so if everything Everything, anything can help, but the reality is that we are in a situation where almost all our policy choices have been so poor that we've inevitably led to the situation of having to take unpopular decisions, which I'm not sure in a pre-election year the government is going to be prepared to take. I, I agree with that. This is a culmination of, of bad decisions. And uh, then at that point, it's almost like when you have been living a lifestyle that's uh, detrimental to your health, and then you reach that point where where um, you have to make um, really serious choices which are uncomfortable. And I think that's where we are right now in South Africa. And also just to speak about the Reserve Bank governor, um, I think he also said something which is really profound uh, a few years back when he said with the economy, you know, the economy is not like a horse. You don't just beat it and then the horse runs faster. You know, what you have to do is you have to create an atmosphere for the economy to thrive. And that's how the economy grows. Now, to be honest, I mean, I mean, to be fair to him, I, I really appreciated that comment, but he shouldn't be the one saying that. He shouldn't be the one mm. saying that, you know, mm. he is a, and I, but I think he said that in response to people thinking that he's responsible for the growth of the economy and for the employment of people. And I've seen even people that support MMT, which is known as what is it? Modern monetary theory, but I, call it magic money theory because that's really what it is um they say that you know he should be the one that's worried about employment and we even saw with the public protector as well uh, a few years back after making a finding against a particular bank she said that um the reserve bank's mandate must change and that came completely out of left field right. and it's quite clear that um and i think and i think Hanyako has um done well by saying look um this is our job if you want to grow the economy, here's how you do it. You don't need us. We're just here to protect the currency, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and just for the clarity for our listeners is, is a, yeah. a modern monetary theory, or as you say, the, the magical money, monetary theory uh, is essentially printing money to feed into the economy to, to generate growth, which most practitioners on the sort of center-left Towards the right, we'll say is absolutely, you know, it's just, is a recipe for inflationary disaster. This does bring out the silliest moments, and that is that our, our minister in the presidency, one, uh, Kumbuzo uh, Nchaveni, said that the cabinet wasn't looking at cutting any government pro, uh, program. She says, we do not want to create the impression that there is a crisis in South Africa and that the country is going to collapse. South Africa is not going to collapse. Duma, I don't know about you, but you can have a, you don't have to collapse without, you know, before you have a crisis. I mean, your crisis 
should be dealt with before you reach the point of collapse, surely. Yeah, agreed. I mean, okay, this is, hearing this, right, I, I just, I can't resist making this thought experiment. Like, so, so just imagine, you know, um, you married, um, you have children and, um, you know, and then you and your partner, you sit down and you like, and you say, listen, I think we are living well out of our means here. Let us cut back on certain things. I think if we cut back on certain things, yeah, our life won't be as lavish, but at least we'll have some money left over and perhaps we can go on that holiday and perhaps we can, I can buy that dress for you and perhaps we can take, you know, our kids to better schools and whatever. And then, you know, one of the partners say, no, 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 you can't do that. We don't want to give people the impression that uh, we're in crisis, we're going to collapse. So let's just keep on spending and not cut anything. I mean, just hearing that, right, one could clearly see that this is, um, no one thinks like that. No one thinks like that. If there's no money, you have to get money from somewhere. It's either you're going to take out new debt or what you're going to do is you're going to cut back on your spending so that you can have more savings or spend more or spend better. That's, that's basically what you're going to be doing. And that's normal. And the fact is, um, people don't even need to even listen to the, listen, is it, um, Chavendi? Uh, sorry, mm, if I got Chavendi, it wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. Chavendi, so, yeah. yeah, Chavendi. So people don't even have to, she doesn't even have to make a comment. Uh, mm. that there's no comment that has to be made by her. Uh, people can just look at the numbers and think, no, this, there's something wrong here. You can look at the GDP numbers. You can look at our debt, everything like that. You can say that this is not sustainable. So, you know, the, the reality is that this conversation was going to occur at some point, but to say that you're not going to cut spending because you don't want to give an impression that there's a crisis, it really shows that uh, perhaps you are not aware that South Africans um, have access to a lot of information um, that could actually get them to that conclusion that we are mm-hmm. in a spending crisis. No, I mean, look, I mean, people feel it. In their own context, that, 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 that there's a crisis. I mean, everything is politics, and politics eventually impinges on everything. Um, but I think Darby wrote in almost uh, – this wasn't a response to her, but it could have been. Um, he said in his inimitable way that the state's debt is getting out of hand. The state is borrowing too much money. You can catch as much as you want to, as much as you want to. But if this continues, it will lead to a financial crisis. It doesn't matter what your ideological beliefs are. Somehow we're going to have to cut back on state spending or we have to increase tax revenue. And, of course, the problem is we have a shrinking tax base, largely because of government policy. I've never quite been able to get – I mean, I know people have sort of said, well, it's the ideology that – it's the leftist um, command economy ideology that's at work here, you know, the, the, the halcyon days of the, of the USSR, you know, looking after the ANC, etc. Um, but, I mean, here we have the South Africa sitting in all those glorious meetings with the, the G20 and the uh, and BRICS, and we're hosting BRICS. And there is probably the best example of taking the break off all those constrictions in an economy and actually moving somewhere, and that is India. And yet somehow we seem to believe that we exist in a different, in a parallel universe. Do we exist in a parallel universe, or do we just – are incapable of translating other people's success to what, to the success we could have. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to what you said. Everything is politics, right? So I think what has happened now is that the, the ruling party is in a relationship with a, well, they're in a tripartite alliance 
And then what happens in that tripartite alliance is that for to keep those interests alive, they need to take out new debt. They need to assist people within that tripartite alliance, which means that there's going to be uh, more spending. And then they can use it as a counting trick, for example. They can say, we're going to allocate so much to infrastructure building, but of course it's not building infrastructure. You're just basically helping out your friend. So this base basically goes down to the personal level. So I think um, ultimately, and also what going back to what Davi Ruiz also put out, put across as well, is also very important, is that we're taking out too much money. It doesn't matter what your ideology is. We have to cut back on the spending. And, and also going back to India as well, I mean, India has been successful. But I think the problem is just that um, in South Africa, I, I just think perhaps people in the Tripartite Alliance think that it's probably going to happen, but not anytime soon, you know, and I think they hoping that it doesn't happen um, while they're still around. So it's basically they know they can see the train is going to go over the cliff, but they hope they can jump off in time. That's basically what it, that's basically what I'm envisioning right now. Uh, two things come from that. One is that the train can't be going over the cliff because there aren't any trains, by all accounts. And uh, and, and the other <laughs> thing is, I don't think they manage house, their own household budgets in any way because mm. it's it's a microcosm of seeing literally what is happening at, at the at the uh, at the major level. And I mean, I, look, I know that we know that India is not a perfect democracy by any stretch of the imagination, but they've proved the point that we make over and over again is that you, if you release the bonds a bit and you give people space, things can change. It's, it, it's that failure to give respect and agency to the individual that I find so awful about about the ruling party. They, they just they don't seem to trust that we're quite capable of looking after ourselves. Agreed. And I think that's, I think that's their mentality. But what they're starting to realize as well is that when they try to be the, you know, the, the doer of everything, if, if they want to fulfill every aspect of our lives, they realize that they, ca- they don't have the capacity to do that, but we have the capacity to take care of ourselves. So why don't you just allow people to take care of themselves? That's the, that's the reality. Because when you try to be a multi-purpose agency that's supposed to give you healthcare, protection, um, justice, food, money, all these type of things, you're going to end up in a, in a bad situation where you're going to be incurring so much debt to keep these services alive. And then the pro- another problem is that people have become dependent on these services. Mm-hmm. So if you shut them off today, you could cause another crisis. So, crisis. and now th- they may see that as a good thing because then it's like, no, that means you must spend even more. But if mm-hmm. the more that you spend, you know, the, the, the worse it gets, you're going to fall into that debt trap, de- uh, the mm-hmm. debt trap. So I think for me, w- what, what they need to do is I think they need to ask themselves, what are the services that we provide that can be done by the private sector? And they need to ask that question. And you will be very surprised what the private sector can come up with. I mean, I was reading just theoretical stuff, right, about how the private sector could actually create a, a society that's less violent by just insurance alone. And if insurance companies have more freedom to um, create certain types of insurance policies, you could actually see a reduction in crime and so forth. And then that means less load on the police system. Um, mm. You could even have private police as well, you know, that type of thing. But again, I'm, I know I'm getting into uh, a, a lot of other areas here, but the private sector can definitely provide the services that government provides 
at a cheaper rate than the government and for and at a far superior service level as well. I think what the government probably doesn't always quite get, and particularly with a sort of very much a leftist socialist uh, philosophy behind them, is that nothing generates activity and therefore wealth more than people being motivated to do so. In other words, their, 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 their desires, their capabilities, their inventiveness, if you let it express itself, things will happen. And that is the problem with trying to aim towards a socialist society is that you're actually squashing that, that level of creativity. And that's, that's been the problem. That's generally the problem for, for socialist societies in achieving that, that growth. I mean, I'm just, I was just looking at figures to divert slightly. I was just looking at um, an article on Venezuelans crossing the American border, migrants crossing the border. And what the government, Biden government has now done is given, is going to give permission to a certain, a few hundred thousand existing Venezuelan migrants in, in America to work. I don't know, I don't know what is going on there because the general comment is this will only result in more Venezuelans desperately trying to get into America to earn money. Because of course, in poor, for most poor countries, they rely on people leaving the countries to provide remittances, remittances back to the countries for people to survive on. Um, so maybe we're not the only, I don't know, idiotic country. Yeah, uh, agreed. And also, I, I mean, like, yeah, just given Biden's actions on that, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a mixed bag of goods. Um, because I can see already, that a lot of people from Venezuela that go to the United States, if they get an opportunity to work, they can send money back home. And I think there will be some financial services that will be made specifically for that. Um, in South Africa, we actually have a lot of yeah. these uh, services where people come from foreign countries, they work here, and they send money back home. Um, and there's a lot of um, services that, that that are made specifically for that. So that's a, so one could say that's kind of a good thing in that it's way. Sort of yeah, from a business point of view, because that's what businesses do. We just, they just solve problems. Whenever there's a problem, we just, they, they, they can solve it, right? So, and I think now, um, I think with Venezuela and South Africa, I think the problem is just that, uh, again, the, the, with our government, again, I just feel that they don't see how bad it can get. And mm. when it does get bad, they can shield themselves from it. So give you a quick example was in, uh, China. Um, during the communist revolution, Mao's in power. He starts all these projects and everything. And then you get this great famine and mm. millions of people died. But guess what? Mao was shielded from it, you know? Mm. And mm. even when people told him that, look, this policy is not working, um, you know, uh, you know, he was not happy to hear that. Right. And, but he, but he survived through it despite millions of people dying as a result of his policies. And I think that might be the case in South Africa. It may not be mm-hmm. that bad with millions of die of mm-hmm. poverty, but it's going to get worse. But the people at the top who make the rules, they'll be shielded from it because mm-hmm. they've already accumulated the wealth. And also they already have the protections in place to shield themselves from the, mm-hmm. from the ill effects of their bad policies. No, it is, it is, it's a very strange psychology, particularly as I think, most people in, in the country, if you get good services, they're not going to worry about whether the private sector helped the government to provide them or not. They're just going to be grateful that it happened under a government. And that's super, you know, that, that's actually great. And uh, much appreciated. It's, it's, it's been great fun. And I hope to get you on board sooner, soonest. 
No problem. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed this conversation and always looking forward to having more conversations with you as well. Thank you.